Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart. And Elizabeth Gearhart. On Passage to Profit. Welcome to our show. Passage to Profit is a new show on iHeartRadio that speaks to entrepreneurs and those wanting to start their own business. That's right, Richard. We're on WOR 710. And to start each show, we'll interview a guest from the entrepreneurial community. You mean a successful entrepreneur with tips for our listeners. This is about starting your own business, after all. Well, yeah, you got me there. Okay. After that, we'll feature up to three contestants per week in a pitch competition. And who are these lucky contestants, and how do they get on the show? I am so glad you asked me that. That's my favorite thing about this show. This show is open to everybody. Anyone can pitch. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to know anybody. Just come to our pitch auditions in New York. Pitch your idea to us. And if it fits with the show and we think it's a good pitch presentation, then boom, you're on the air. So, Richard, there's also a contest. Do you want to talk about that now? Absolutely. The pitches come from you, our listeners. And after the pitches, you, our listeners, can Google Passage to Profit and find the page on GearheartLaw.com and vote for your favorite pitch. You can vote for a week, but you only get to vote once. Get your friends to listen and vote. If they miss the show, they can listen to the podcast on iHeartMedia, and they can tell how wonderful you are just from that. So tell them to remember the name by envisioning you or themselves if they want to invent something and come on the show walking down a long passageway with a huge pot of gold at the end, their passage to profit. James Ledbetter, editor-in-chief of Inc. Magazine, will be joining us. And you're listening to Passage to Profit on iHeartRadio, 710 on your AM dial. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trade and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit Gearheart law.com together we can change the world visit gearheartlaw.com this ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson now back to passage to profit once again richard and elizabeth gearhart we're here with james ledbetter editor of inc magazine glad to be here richard inc magazine is a great source of information for entrepreneurs and it features in-depth articles of entrepreneurs who've made it and lots of great advice for those who are on their way inc magazine also publishes the list of the most successful entrepreneurs with the Inc. 5000, which features the fastest growing companies. James is a graduate of Yale University and has worked at Time, Reuters, The Village Voice, and many other publications. He's also the author of several books, the most recent, One Nation Under Gold. Correct. I love that title. Thank you. Um, And uh, don't forget about his podcast, which you can find on Inc.com. It's called Inc. Uncensored. Inc. Uncensored. So um, great to have you with us. I mean, you've interviewed a lot of successful entrepreneurs. We'd love it if you could tell us some of your favorite stories. Sure. Uh, And I should note, uh, the Inc. 5000 for the last two years has featured none other than Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. uh, (laughs) Oh, thanks, The Gearhart Law Firm is is one of the fastest growing companies in America, which is really very exciting. Can I just say something about about that though I mean I have to say honestly for years before we hit that mark that was like a major goal of yeah. mine it yeah. really really was and it motivated me so much because I so much wanted to be on that list so um it's not just a it's 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 a it's a very valuable kind of thing it yeah. gives entrepreneurs a goal to shoot for um, it's it's a club. Yeah, you know, it's like getting into an exclusive club, uh, except you you know you earn it, uh, <laughs> and you can't and you can't buy your way onto it. I no, mean, I, we're no. we're actually in the process right now of finalizing the list for 2018, and 
I guess I should be impressed and not depressed by the fact that like there are people who will lie, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. know, and, and to, to, to get to get on the list. They will fudge the numbers. Sure. We got we got one company that um, submitted a tax return that was so obviously not the tax return that they filed with the IRS. <laughs> it wasn't even signed. It's like, you're not even trying to, to, to cover your tracks. Uh, and, and it's uh, it, but it is it is a great honor for for a lot of folks. And the you know, some of the most impressive of people that I've been privileged to, to meet are people who've made the list like 10 times. Yeah, it's I mean, amazing. If you, if you think about what kind of breakneck growth that implies to, to be to be hitting, you know, high double digit growth every year for 10 years is uh, is a r- remarkable, it's remarkable, remarkable achievement. There are only yeah. there are only a few dozen companies that have been able to, been able to pull that off. Um, but I'll tell you a couple of my favorite stories. We had a we had a uh, cover story in June 2014 um, with a, a company that my, my boss actually said to me, there is no way we are going to put a company called Lolly Wally Doodle on the, <laughs> on, the co- on the cover of Inc. Magazine. And uh, the, the Brandy Temple is, is, is her name uh, out of, uh, out of uh, Tennessee. And she began sewing clothes for her daughters when her husband, her second husband, was out of work during the Great Recession. He, he worked construction. Construction business dried up. She started making these uh, clothes in, in her garage uh, to fit her, her daughter's pretty simple stuff. Um, and then she began selling them through her church to, to people who would, you know, give her orders and what have you. And she experimented with some Chinese outsourcing of the garments, but they didn't, it didn't, it didn't meet her specifications. So then she's got these kind of, I don't know, like seconds, right, that, that she that can't really sell. And she decides to set up a page on Facebook and she walks away from the computer and it sold out like that. And she, so she managed uh, kind of by accident to figure out how to use Facebook to do direct selling. This is something that the largest corporations in America still can't wrap their sure, head around. Yeah. In fact, have spent mm-hmm. millions of dollars trying to do and just pull out because yeah. it doesn't work. Uh, but her something about the authenticity of, of her project um, and and her, her just perseverance, she kind of cracked the code for how to do direct sales on Facebook. And it was just a terrific story. And we were, you know, when I, when I told my boss, you said we'd never put her on the cover. He said, I've, I've, I've never been happier to eat my words because <laughs> she was, she was such, such a dynamic. She said, you know, all I ever wanted from life was to be a trophy wife. That's what I envisioned. That's what I envisioned for myself. I didn't picture myself running a multi-million dollar business, yeah. but that's what she does. And in the meantime, this tiny little town in Tennessee where she's from, um, was a you know a factory town that had fallen on tough times, and now she's the largest employer in the town. She employs wow. uh, hundreds of people. That is so you know that is so wonderful. I have to say that I I am personally I never really thought my, of myself as an entrepreneur. Are I you work. a trophy wife too? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Sure. Um, yeah. So no, I mean, but it's uh, so we started our law firm after after we. Uh, after leaving the corporate world, and I never really expected that. And it actually worked out pretty well for us, didn't it, dear? It did, and I'd just like to make a comment. So the law firm does patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And to your point, this is exactly something we experience almost every day. Somebody comes in with a project, and we never judge because we never know what's going to take off. And you may find the weirdest-looking thing that somebody walks in with and they get a patent on it or they get a trademark on their business and the next year they've sold 2 million of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean look at fidget spinners last yeah, year. Yeah, really. Who, Where did that who come from? saw that yeah. coming, you know, and it's gone now. It is, it's a very short window. Uh, but but uh, and uh, my son now plays with something called Beyblades that are kind of like spinning mm-hmm. tops like you know, there are millions of these things being sold every year. Yeah, if we could predict what projects would hit with certainty, we'd all be billionaires, yeah. right? I mean, so, you know, you never really know how it's going to work out. So, um, well, our job at Inc is to is to support people on their journey. We don't. We certainly don't judge. I mean, obviously, if people are breaking the law, that's one thing. But, but, but we don't mean we, like fake uh, um, applications. Yeah, well, there, there are there are gray areas. Uh, but but our job is to support them by um, by giving them practical advice. You know, right. how do you how do you manage your staff? What do you do about taking investment? What about uh, benefits, et cetera, et cetera? Um, but also inspiration. So, well, Jim, what what do you think are the biggest hurdles to starting a successful business? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think a lot of people think 
that the biggest hurdle is lack of financing. Like, oh, I don't know any rich people. I don't know where to get money from. Who's going to give me a loan, et cetera, et cetera. I actually don't think that's the biggest problem. Mm. I think the biggest problem is is kind of taking that first step. That's the, that's the biggest hurdle is, is, is realizing that the idea that you've been noodling around in the back of your brain for the last five years is you're, you're already three quarters of the way there. You just need to kind of do it. You need to actually start. And for uh, for a lot of people, one of the constraints there is they have a day job, right? So the one of the tricks that, that the successful entrepreneurs will tell you is, well, what are you doing with the rest of your time? You know, are you spending your time watching football? Are you spending your time um, fishing? Are you spending, you've got to, you've got to find a way to make the business the center of your life, even while you have that day job. And, and that, and that transition period uh, for, for some people could be a matter of months. For some people, it's a matter of years until the side hustle kind of takes off. But I think, I think that, that kind of actually taking the first step is probably the biggest hurdle. Another hurdle, and I know this sounds silly, but we, we've, we've done surveys and people will tell you, is that they actually don't have the right idea. Um, so people, Very you know, important. people, people have ideas for, uh, you know, an invention or, uh, uh, everybody wants to run a restaurant, right. But they're not necessarily the right ideas. And, and that's clearly a, clearly a hurdle. And then, yeah, then there's, there's financing and execution, but, the, but those are kind of second level issues. So let me ask you a question. If somebody has an idea and they think it's good and all their friends tell them that it's good, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. Absolutely right? not. So how do they how do they go about getting some real honest feedback? Sure. So I think you know one of the lessons that we have learned over the years is it's a great idea to start with a product or a service where you already know ten people who are going to pay for this, right? You already have a customer base. That that is if 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 someone's looking from the outside for investment, like that's the kind of thing they want to see. That there is a, a a a genuine need for this product or service in the marketplace, as opposed to some you know kind of great sounding thing, but but nobody you know no, no demonstration of anyone actually using it. I think that that's a really good um, metric. But in terms of feedback and, and uh, advice. I have to say, uh, regardless of what I might think of the current administration, the Small Business Administration is a tremendous resource. The Small Business Administration website has all sorts of uh, resources, lessons, videos. They're, they're, they also work with an organization called SCORE, uh, SCORE.org. Um, is a mentoring program for entrepreneurs. They will they will hook you up with somebody who has expertise in your field, and you'll meet with them. There are videos that you can watch. It's tremendous how much is out there, and yet somehow people are like, I don't know where to get advice. Well, that's where you go. <laughs> that and also, of course, Inc.com. <laughs> Score and Inc. are great, great resources. So, Well, I was looking at Inc.com at lunch right before we came over here, and there was an incredible article. It was actually a video that I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I'm going to go back and watch it. It was how to make a post go viral. Yeah. So these are the kind of things that are in Inc. Magazine and Inc.com. And I've been doing marketing for the firm for a number of years, but I don't think I know how to make something go viral. Yeah. So I'm really excited to listen to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it, social media has really created uh, a tremendous level playing field for a lot of small businesses. I mean, if you think about... Uh, the amount of marketing billions that are spent by the largest companies in America, largest companies in the world, how can a one-person shop compete? Well, the answer these days, it wasn't around 20 years ago, is social media. If you if you are talented and driven enough to create a compelling Instagram account, uh, a, a, you know, use Twitter to give uh, loyal readers discount, loyal customers discounts, um, this sort of thing, you can you can make up a, a tremendous amount for very little investment. You don't you don't have to spend that much to have an effective social media presence. Um, you know, and it's. It's remarkable now, a colleague of mine did a story for the New York Times Magazine last fall um, in which he said, if you, know, if you are creating a direct-to-consumer business now and you're not spending almost all of your money on Facebook, you're doing it wrong. Facebook, you know, for, for better and worse, has become the most efficient marketplace for targeting uh, your customers, reaching them in, a, in, a, in a, an environment they already know and trust, and uh, at very low cost compared to any other method you can think of, whether it's direct mail or, or advertising or, or uh, you know, sending out um, 
sending out coupons. Uh, and and so th- so th- that is a, that is a great opportunity for today's small businesses. And we at Inc. try to educate people about how to use that to the to their best ability. Does the Facebook mantra work for all types of businesses, or is it really mostly? Uh, you know, two consumer types. Of businesses. Yeah, I think I think it's it's direct to consumer products. So the 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 firm that, that he was uh, focusing on in this in this feature that he wrote was a, a firm that makes um, uh, contact lenses, mm-hmm. and you know the 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 ability to A B test or in, in some cases A B C test different ads on Facebook is just remarkable. And you get feedback like that. It's like literally real-time feedback. You can see, oh, people are clicking on the blue box. No one's clicking on the orange box. Well, get rid of the orange box. You're not going to spend on that anymore. Put all the money on the blue box. And it just, it's 24-7. It's just going on, on and on. And you're 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 finding, you know, readers that are, are, are you can segment at a ridiculously level of a detail. You know, these are, it's not just, you know, women between 18 and 34. It's like women between 18 and 22 who live in Ohio who also, we <laughs> know by this brand of diaper like it's it's ridiculously targeted so that you can you can use that five dollar that ten dollar spend really really effectively and again that really does benefit small businesses um are there downsides to that in a kind of you know surveillance society way and and lack of privacy that that's those are very valid issues but but in terms of um, people being able to get the most bang for their buck social media is incredibly effective so if I am starting my business and I'm kind of scared to do it because I don't have an MBA from Harvard, how much money should I spend on marketing? I, <laughs> you know, I don't have that much money, but I hear marketing is what you have to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's no one answer to that, of course, but I, I would also point out that the, the vast majority of, of people running Inc. 5000 companies do not have MBAs from Harvard, do not have MBAs at all. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I would also say that our... Our core readers, those Inc. 5000 companies, uh, the the plurality of them do not take venture capital. They do not have outside investors. Most of them are bootstrapped, or you know, forty five percent, something like that, are bootstrapped and and require less than ten thousand dollars to get off the ground. Now, of that ten thousand dollars, how much should go into marketing? That's going to depend on on the on the nature of your business. Um, but again, the important thing I think is to start to actually you know get the product to market, get the service to market, and you can always iterate and grow from there. But but I think, to, to, to go back to Richard's original question, the thing that holds most people back is never getting to that starting line, actually mm. psyching yourself out before you get there. And that's why I think you know there, there, are, there are millions of potential entrepreneurs out there who haven't started yet. So that you, you raised an interesting point about funding, bootstrapping versus investment dollars. So Assuming that somebody's in the lucky position to even be asking for investment money, what are the advantages of getting investment money versus uh, bootstrapping, sure. which seems like a much harder way it's to go? It's much harder. Yeah. No, I mean, in, in, investment is a very, very powerful tool that will allow you to scale your company much faster than if you have to rely just on revenues alone, right? Now, it comes with a lot of pitfalls, caveats, uh, et cetera. Um, you know, you, you have to, you, in, order, in order to succeed, you have to really find an investor who shares your vision, who trusts in you. Um, everything has to be aligned and, and worked out in advance. Um, there, are, there, are, you know, there are people out there, I'm sorry to say, who are unscrupulous that you need to, to vet and, and avoid. Um, you, know, you have to plan for all sorts of contingencies from the failure of the business to the sudden death of the CEO to all like you, you have to get everything in writing you need a lawyer sorry to say it but you do uh, I'm up here <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for the plug uh, but the, but the potential um, is really is really profound because you can scale in a mm-hmm. way that you just cannot do in, in any other way we're here with James Ledbetter editor of Inc magazine you're listening to WOR iHeartRadio 710 on your AM dial this is Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart I just have one last question for you, James, and it's really been fantastic listening to you. Thanks for the advice. Uh, I've learned a lot myself, so I'm, and I hope our listeners too. But what do you see as the technical trends for the future? Uh, where do you think are going to be the hottest areas of technology sure. for the next couple of years? Yeah, I, I think there is tremendous potential in augmented reality and virtual reality that we're, we're in the first or second inning on, on that, uh, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to transform marketplaces. It's going to transform all, all types of buying experiences. I was talking to a 
entrepreneur this week who who pointed out that you know there are still some things that you're not likely to buy online you know a couch maybe because you want to sit in it you want to see how it's going to fit into the room a virtual reality environment in which you could sit in the couch and kind of feel it will change that dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to certain types of clothes, you know, you can get an avatar that, that exactly comports to your body shape and then watch how the clothes hang off of it. All of these types of enhanced experiences are coming our way. Um, I think uh, there is some disagreement about this, but I think autonomous vehicles are a real thing. Uh, whether everyone's going to be using one in five years or 10 years or 20 years, I'm, I'm not I'm not hung up on the numbers, but I think, you know, within my lifetime, a lot of our encounters with vehicles will be essentially self-driving. I was at the Quebec airport last week, and the, when, you, when you check your bag, it goes on the conveyor belt onto this little card that doesn't have a driver that then goes and takes it somewhere else. It's really cool. Uh, uh, and, and and obviously there are there are, you know certain applications uh, certain driving situations where you want human control but but there are so many where you don't really need it so I think those are two really uh, high growth areas that we'll continue to see in the next few years that's great well thanks a lot James thanks James and thank God for the self driving cars I gotta say <laughs> <laughs> I want one <laughs> yeah my pleasure thanks for the interview thank you and we'll be back in just a minute we'll be starting the pitch segment of our program and James will stay with us and help us talk with some of the pitchers. So you're listening to WOR, uh, iHeartRadio 710 on your AM dial. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit gearheartlaw.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And we're here with James Ledbetter. We're going to be talking now to our pitches. And here are the rules for the pitch competition. Each contestant will have a total of eight minutes to make their pitch. The first two minutes, uh, they fly solo. And for that time, they describe their project and put it in the best light. The remaining time is for the Inquisition, where they'll be challenged by Richard, Elizabeth, and James to describe their project in greater detail and convince the audience that their project is the best. At the end of the program, our listeners will be directed to the Passage to Profit page on the Gearheart Law website, where our listeners can vote for the pitch they like the best. I would like to introduce Raghav Sharma, and Raghav has a company called Perfitly which was alluded to by James, which is pretty cool to get a plug for your company from editor of Inc. Magazine. (laughs) I will take it any day. (laughs) So why don't you go ahead and do your pitch? Absolutely. So Perfitly is a tool for online shopping so that a shopper can virtually try on clothes before they buy it. And we really got our roots in my shopping experience, my families, my friends, where we would order clothes online, where we were guessing on the size, things would come, we wouldn't like the way it looked, and then we'd send it back. Or even worse, we'd order two or three of everything, hope one of them worked, and then still send everything back. And we just said, there's got to be a better way. So we started looking into it, and we were just shocked how pervasive this problem was. Almost three in 10 garments that are ordered online go back mm. as a return. And in some things... In my household, I think it's seven out of ten. <laughs> in my household, it's at least 15 out of ten. And what do you do so. with all the boxes, by the way? I mean, there's thousands of boxes. Ah, we have kids, you know. <laughs> we, they play with them all the time. But, uh, but we found that three in ten garments were going back, and in some categories, it was even more. And what this meant for consumers is that they were really frustrated, not just with the hassle of returns, but they were hesitant to try out new brands, new types of uh, clothes, new fabrics. And for the retailers, 
Yes, they were getting eaten alive by shipping costs, but a lot of it had to do with what we call waste costs. So things come back torn, ripped, they have deodorant stains, they can't go through a full retail experience anymore, and they just get scrapped or sent through an outlet mall. And so enter perfectly. What we do is if you're shopping on a site that uses perfectly, you enter a few measurements and we're able to create one of those body avatars you were talking about where with things like your height, your weight, your waist, your shoulders, things that most people know, we're able to create a 3D body shape of you, which is incredibly accurate. And then we work directly with the brands that are selling the clothes to get their fabrics, to get their cut patterns, so how they actually construct the garment, how they sew it. And we sew that garment onto you. Uh, and we simulate it using gravity. We simulate it using what the material's made out of so that then you get to uh, you get to see it on yourself. You can size up, you can size down, and then you can be much more confident in what you're going to buy. Uh, and then hopefully you're not going to return it. What's the what's the revenue model? We get paid per use. So if you're on, say, here's a shameless plug for one of our brands, Descendant of Thieves, and you're looking at one of their shirts, you try it on, you click try it on, you see it on your avatar, you size up, you size down, you twirl it around and see it from all different sizes uh, or sides, and then you, uh, you go away for five minutes, you come back, you look at it again. We get paid a total of four cents for that, no matter how much you look at that shirt. Now, if you come back and look at another shirt, we get another four cents. If you look at a pair of pants, we get four cents and so on. Do you get paid more if they buy, if they actually buy it? We don't. Oh. It's a pay-per-use model. Hmm. And uh, who are some of the other clients that you're working with? So right now we're working with three small men's boutiques in New York. Uh, Descendant of Thieves is the largest one of them. Michael Hans is another. And they are sort of really helping us refine the technology. But we've been there for six months. Okay. We've been able to double their sales on the products that we've enabled. Their returns are down 13%. And people are using the technology, they're using the widgets and seeing themselves in the clothes six minutes on average when they're shopping. Mm -hmm. So if, if I order uh, a piece of clothing and I use your avatar and I order it three sizes too small and it starts to to stress at my uh, mid, mid you know, my belly, will I <laughs> people be able to see my belly button? Is this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> will you see well, the stretch? <laughs> you'll see the stretch for sure. Uh, one is you know the system just won't show you something that small because it physically <laughs> can't. You've never fit seen on my you. belly button. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, the other thing is you know. Sites can enable social sharing because uh -huh. a lot of times you want your friends to see how you look in an outfit. You want to see their feedback, but you don't have to show it to anyone. You know, that is just for you as you're there shopping. And the best thing is, you know, if you don't like that shirt, you go try on another one. And if you've created your avatar on Perfectly or even via one of our brand partners, mm -hmm. you can use it no matter uh, where you are on the web as long as that site has Perfectly. That avatar is portable everywhere we are. Mm. Raghav, what's your background? What, why did you, what, what drew you to, I mean, you talk about your, your family experience, but I'm curious what you bring to the table at this business. I've always been a problem solver. You know, I, there's nothing in my background that screams retail, but entrepreneurship has just been in my blood. My father has started nine companies at wow. this point um, and, you know, been fairly successful at it. And so I caught that early on and it just, bothers me to see waste and inefficiency. My first company was an enterprise software company where we were trying to bring efficiency to public procurement. Uh -huh. Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, we, right. yeah. we got much further than we expected, but not as far as we wanted to. Right. Uh, and then uh, I was a consultant for a while trying to help people solve business problems. And it was really sort of there where I started seeing this and it was the consultant background that really led to the research that said, okay, let's find out how big of a problem it is before you just suddenly jump up, leave a job. You have to be, it goes back to things that you were saying earlier, you have to be sure there's a problem you're solving that you can actually do something before you just say, hey, let's go. Yeah, uh, and what was required to actually kind of build the product? Did you have to hire developers? We did. So for three and a half years, wow. we just were heads down coding this because this has been a problem that's eluded people for decades at yeah, this point. I mean, the you, entire history of e-commerce, really. I mean, well, even before that, if you look at Hollywood, you know, they got really good at simulating skin, hair, but fabrics were never 
their strong point. And then we've seen lots of companies come up in the space and they haven't quite solved the problem because they've kind of taken two, one of two approaches. One is, okay, we know your measurements and we know the size chart of the brand. So we think you can fit in this garment and they don't show you how you look and they don't allow you to size up, size down. And they ignore the fact that we're 3D beings. We're not just points. We're not just shoulders and hips and waists. There's stuff in between. Uh, and then the other ones are people who have been like, hey, this is your best fitting garment and we're going to say their size chart versus another brand size chart. And then, so if you're size medium in this, you're going to be a size large in this. And that has also not really worked for the same reasons. Hmm. Uh, and how are you funded? We've been bootstrapped. So uh, we are just been plugging away. Luckily in our past, we've all had successful exits. So we've been able to bootstrap this. Where do you see the growth coming from? We have some medium and to large size national players coming on and we're in trials with four of the largest 10 brands wow. globally. And so fingers crossed, some yeah. of those will break. And then overall, we're also generating a ton of data that is going to help firms with their inventorying, with their designing, with their sizing, and really thinking about how do they optimize their operations, not just from a return perspective and a sales perspective, but overall, how do they think about how they serve their customers best? Yeah, I would think that um, some of the subscription services would also want to be part of this, like Stitch Fix. Absolutely. They, uh, if you look at Amazon Prime, wardrobe they've changed their rules so many times because of this reason because of returns this has been so much fun i have one quick question though if i go on your website www.perfitly like perfect fit p-e-r-f-i-t-l-y.com can i see a list of brands that you're with you can and okay. also you know i would encourage people to go direct to the brands go to descendant of thieves go to michael hands and try it on yourself we look forward to seeing you grow 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 Thank you. We really appreciate it. And we are really pleased to be part of the podcast and the radio show and help you guys get this off the ground. Awesome. Thanks, uh, Raghav. Perfectly is the company. And you're listening to WOR Radio 710 on your AM dial. And we'll be back in just a minute with our next pitch. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit gearheartlaw.com. This ad has been read by a non attorney spokesperson now back to passage to profit once again richard and elizabeth gearhart with our second pitch jürgen benke and the name of the company is what is the name of your company da the hanger the hanger yeah, i like, wasn't sure if i pronounced that right or not right so. it's a that's a trademark trick you know, yeah make up something right you know we, that was an expensive lesson by the way too the, um, the, um, the umlaut is impressive <laughs> the, we had to german it up a little bit and it works in america too so that's great well you've got two minutes jürgen tell us about your product and go okay so first i gotta admit that i i'm a cycling nut and uh, i think i have a problem because uh, i used to race professionally and ride every day but uh, since i've retired i've been able to cut back so but i still ride three to four times a week uh, waste a lot of time, obviously, and I have 12 bikes. I thought it was an extreme case, but it turns out I, I wasn't on my own. There's uh, the number of people that ride bikes in America has been tremendously going up. So uh, 44 million riders were in uh, 2007, and now it's actually 66 million riders in 2017. And out of those 66 million riders, 14 million ride twice a week. So that's not just the casual once in a while. Why do people ride? I mean, they're, they're right for the sport, they're right for the social aspects like uh, going on group rides, and then also, uh, you know, for transportation to go to work and also to go shopping. So we at The Hangar, we help people store their bikes inside their homes and garages so that they can live the cycling lifestyle that they want without sacrificing uh, style and space. But because of all the different facets of cycling, people have more than one bike. 
they'll have like um, they'll have a commuter to go to work. They'll have a mountain bike to go on uh, trail rides, and then they have a a road bike to go on group rides. And then also some of these bikes can be quite expensive. They can be up to ten thousand dollars. And the, mm. the biggest concern of owners of high end bicycles is uh, theft and damage. And those bikes are not going to get stored in community bike rooms and <laughs> unsafe garages. It's <laughs> funny. I did a, I did a ride uh, a couple of weeks ago in in Hudson Valley, New York, and I was taking the Metro North back to the city, and there was this very uh, outfitted guy, I will say, uh, on the train. It was all these bikes on the train, you know, and and his bike was so much nicer than anybody else's bike, and you couldn't even stand near him. He was like, he was like pu- pushing, pushing people away. Don't get my you know? bike like, dirty. Do not, do not mess with this bike. Well, right. I want to know how how what what how can you spend ten thousand dollars on a bicycle? I mean, they all have two wheels and a frame, right? So, what makes well, it special? Uh, it's uh, light lightweight, stiffness, carbon fiber, composites. There's so many materials right down there and then there of course there's a lot of brands that you're buying into as far as design goes there's a lot of you know manufacturing know-how i mean that's high-tech stuff and depending on where you're getting it from so, uh you know so, so let's talk a little bit about your product and right. your company uh, we've got one in front of me it, it's uh metallic it's right. red this one anyway yeah uh and it's a little dude this is the De hanger dan basically this is uh this is meant for multiple bike storage so this is like the only product that actually engages the pedal so it's a pedal hook, so a vertical, uh, it's a horizontal bicycle storage that you can overlap three bikes on an eight foot tall wall without taking up a lot of floor space. Mm. Uh, so um, both of our products actually, we have then also that the hanger, which is a bike shelf. That's the first patent pending shelf that lets you hang your bike by the seat and you still have hel- uh, room for your helmet and shoes and glasses. Uh, both of those products we actually launched via Kickstarter and uh, that's how we kind of got her started. Uh, and then uh, sales are direct on our website, and we do a little Amazon too, which, you know, I have like, you know, split feelings about yeah, it a little sure. bit. But it's kind of like a lot of people still don't trust. You know, it's, I think it's getting better as far as uh, you know, branded like our own site. But uh, it's funny how people prefer sometimes to pay more on Amazon than just go to us and mm. get a better deal, same same return policies, everything. How much were you able to raise on Kickstarter? We did uh, sixty-eight thousand dollars for wow. the hanger, and we did about twenty-seven thousand dollars for the Dan. And was that was that for equity, or those were advanced sales? No, you can kind of look at it as pre-orders. Yeah. So it was more or less a development phase, and we had a, a horrible time on the first project because of manufacturing was very very difficult, and making both of our products are made in the U.S. Hmm. Uh, and they're still are made in the U.S., which, uh, as you've seen, one of them is a steel product, and I've been basically been getting clobbered all year. But uh, I don't know if you've heard about those tariffs. I have a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 definitely not as easy as you think uh, getting anything made, especially in this country. And so uh, some of the stuff actually we have taken over fifty percent of manufacturing, and I don't know what the path is for us going forward if we're taking over more or if we're trying to find better manufacturing, like contract manufacturing. It's, I know the potential is there as far as, you know, we sold, we've shipped over seven, yeah, way over 7,000 units out since 2016. There's a couple other designs that are actually right now already in the pipeline as far as, you know, I learned my lesson because one of our products is rather large. So we have something else coming that is more uh, collapsible, like Ikea style, that would be in a flat back box. And uh, we do ship to Europe a lot because there's a big cycling market. It's rather expensive, the shipping, but people do pay it. Um, it's, it's, I, I would like to be able to you know, sell to the world, but that seems to be getting more and more difficult these days. Who, who's the competition? Are there any kind of large you know, bike-themed companies that produce a product like this? There are some companies in Europe that that's all they do is bicycle furniture and furniture and shelving. There's, a, there's another company. There's one more. in the, there's, a, there's a couple out there. Um, but I think it's a it's an interesting uh, it's kind of hard to uh, put us into uh, uh, what are we are we a bicycle component are we a home goods are we both what are we doing so we're we're kind of looking at to uh, I think more into the home space in the future yeah I just like to say I don't know if we described it so that you could actually visualize it that well but it's this cute little guy and he's bent at the waist and he's got a little face on him. He's wearing maybe a cycling jersey. Yeah, that's the polka dot jersey. He actually comes with a sticker kit. He also has a mustache on the sticker kit. Okay. You get little band-aids. So we have a lot of our customers <laughs> that actually buy these and then they have the kids, they have the kids, you know, help them install their bikes and that's hang cute. their bikes up. 
No, it's it's really fun, and uh, we, we have them in different colors. So you to put the band-aids on after you have an accident? Is that how it <laughs> right. works? No, okay. exactly. I think it was. <laughs> what is this retail for? So it's uh, basically what you're seeing there. It comes with the wheel shelves too, uh, and the hardware and the sticker kit. And we retail it for forty nine dollars, and that's a fourteen gauge uh, steel product. So actually, I, one one of our units, one set is like six pounds. So. It holds. We actually have a lot of bike shops now. We have a lot of e-bike shops because they've been having a hard time displaying e-bikes that weigh up to 55, 60 pounds. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of the cheap bike hangers or whatever you can get in Home Depots, those little things, they fall apart. You cannot hang a, yeah. an e-bike on it. So we have uh, e-bike stores using our product to display their products for sale, and then also sell our product as well. That's so these are sold direct from your website. Yes, and that's we do a lot of Facebook ads. Yeah. So what is your website? It's thehanger.co. It's d-a-h-a-n-g-r.co. Jurgen, thanks a lot for coming and presenting your project, uh, The Hanger. It sounds like you're doing really well, and uh, I know a lot of listeners out there would love to check out your website. What is that again? Thehanger.co. And uh, listeners, don't forget to vote. Go to Passage to Profit page at uh, gearheartlaw.com where you can register your votes. And uh, we'll be back in just a minute with our third and final pitch. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Three pitches and we are finally on our third pitch. This is Omer Isaac. He has an AI assistant. So, Omer, would you like to start your pitch? So, yeah, we built the first holographic AI assistant. Hey, Omar. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think I can do this better. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, really, Alfred? That's Alfred, our assistant. Hey, Alfred. Hey, listeners. I'm Alfred, the first holographic AI assistant. Sidekicks Company is a platform that enables you to create visual, proactive, and full-of-personality AI assistants, like me. They live in our minimal hologram display, so you can enjoy them just like in a sci-fi movie. Our goal is to make AI more friendly and fun by breathing life into all the awesome characters we've grown up with, while helping in solving problems like autism, Alzheimer's, loneliness, and making STEM education more fun. We can't wait to see what you'll build with it. Oh, that's right, Alfred, exactly. <laughs> Listeners should know he's wearing a bow tie. You're what do you think, Am I right, or am I right? I guess you're right. <laughs> I guess you're right. So, Omar, what's the market for this product? To be honest with you, we run an incubator for crazy ideas. It's called crazysandco.com. And the idea that we invest in ideas, we don't know where we're going with. But then we reach out to people and they tell us. And luckily for this idea, we've been reached out by a lot of people uh, it helps uh, autistic kids to learn better, Alzheimer's, and education, making it more fun, and also making the personal assistant market more uh, human-friendly, I believe. And I think they're going there if you want to buy a shoe using Alexa. Can you try that, Jim? Uh, probably not. Right. Uh, how, how are you going to see, like, what color the shoe yeah. is? So you have to have the visual element. Right. And that's what we're trying to bring, but we're adding the characters with it. Uh, we have a couple of major media companies approaching us to give these characters we grow up with uh, this AI and breathe life into them. Is the product to market yet? Uh, we're planning for a Kickstarter, as all the crazy ideas. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we uh, you know have a lot of momentum, and soon, hopefully, we'll be able to launch it. How long did it take to develop it? We started about eight months ago. Uh, we were under the influence after a party, I believe. 
The source of many great ideas. And we were like, why not invent the genie in a bottle? And, you know, eight months later, we are here. We get certified by the major corporations around the world. Many people helping us. We're part of Intel Innovators, FutureWorks Incubator. Uh, any door basically we knocked, it opened. And that's, I believe, the power of crazy ideas. And can I say what we saw here was a little display case with a little guy on it. Very cute little guy. That was Alfred. And he was making hand gestures and trying to act like a real person while he was talking. So he's a hologram, I understand. Can he be big, like out in the middle of the room? Yes. Uh, we are designing uh, many characters for corporations uh, where they can represent them in events and also act like ghosts to scare people, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just what we need. <laughs> and is, is the idea that the end user customizes the avatar, builds the avatar him or herself? Yes. We will allow full customization, also uh, data privacy, so all the data is under your control. We're uh, also allowing you to pick from our marketplace and sell your own creations. Wow, that's great. What else can Alfred do besides uh, be a hologram? I mean, is it completely integrated with Alexa then, or are there certain functions that he has or doesn't have? Yes, it's integrated with the whole Amazon atmosphere with Lex. Uh, we also can use Watson in it. We have our own AI. So it's basically anything AI can do today. It could be done by Alfred but in a friendlier with more uh, personality, I believe. I see. So you're using those existing AI's uh, programs as a platform, and then you're creating a hologram around those to respond to certain commands, uh, certain requests, uh, etc. Yes, exactly. The idea is that uh, if you think about the future where we're heading with AR, with VR, uh, having an imaginary button on the air and clicking on the air does not look good. Right. So we believe that this is the future of UX and user experience. Uh, you want to have Alfred floating in AR or in a VR, and he will ask you in a normal human communication. And uh, this is the first step to go there, hopefully. So what happens when you touch Alfred? If you put your finger on him, nothing? Well, I think you will tickle him, but... <laughs> 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 but you should try. I'm not sure what kind of response. <laughs> I guess it depends on where you poke him, I guess. I don't know. And it also depends who is poking him. <laughs> oh. He's that smart, huh? Well, I tried a couple of times. Let's say that. <laughs> so you said that you had input from your crowdfunding group. Are they giving you phrases they want him to say? Or like, what is that input you're getting? Well, uh, so that's the beauty of it, that, uh, and that's where we go all the time for Kickstarter. That is the best way to build the crowd, the people who want to play with technology, want to add on it, and the ideas they can come up with. And uh, the things people we gave to, they, they built some amazing, unbelievable holograms. Some of them are scary, to be honest. <laughs> and I was wondering, like, why would you have such a thing as your assistant? <laughs> <laughs> like you mean what? like big teeth and fangs? And <laughs> How about you, James? Which character will be yours? Oh, I, I would want the scary assistant because then, then no one will want to schedule meetings with me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Here we go. That's an idea. Spoken like a true executive. Yeah. <laughs> but coming from your childhood, I mean, do you have a character we want to breathe life in? And you know, Gosh. Um, Yogi Bear? Oh, that's no, awesome. that was good. I one. never had that one. Yeah. Yoki Bear could be fun. R revealing, I guess, uh, <laughs> who you pick as your avatar exactly, tells, yeah. says a lot about you. I don't know. Yeah. So what has been your biggest hurdle in uh, developing this technology? Well, is the idea that we're playing with something does not exist at all. Uh, and it's very difficult to find out someone who can help you in that because we reached out to the biggest corporation in this field and all of them, they said, we, we're not there yet. Hmm. We don't know how we can link the emotion of what you're saying with the emotion of the character. So there's a lot of challenges, but that's what we enjoy at Crazies & Co., to be honest. Uh, we love it when we go places where everyone is uh, like us crazy a little bit. That's great. Yeah, I, I kind of got from your introduction about the incubator that uh, you use lack of a uh, direction as sort of a strategic element in your <laughs> so business plan. A, is a, that right? A feature, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so th this is what we learned from experience that sometimes uh, the power of crazy idea, either you raise a million dollar or you end up in you know, in bad YouTube channels, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to troll you. And that's what we want to be, is either something really impactful, really helping people, 
or on the other side that is something and we already admitted that we're crazy so we're not worried about what you're going to say truth in packaging that was really fun um so you have actually two websites you have crazy and co and that's your crowdfunding Right. That's our incubator. If you have a crazy okay. idea, you can go there and apply. But you can see Alfred at sidekicks.ai. Exactly. Right? Thank you, Omar. And we look forward to seeing what you guys dream up in the future. I can it's hardly a wait. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you very much. There has never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit gearheartlaw.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Well, we've come to the end of our presentations this evening, and they were all great. Yeah, that makes me want to run out and use their products. I can hardly wait to see what's coming down the pike. And remember, everyone, to go to the Passage to Profit page at GearhartLaw.com and vote for your favorite project. To summarize, we've had Raghav Sharma from Perfitly, the company that creates a perfect image of clothing right on an avatar of you. Next, we had the most creative bike holder ever, Da Hanger, presented by Jürgen Benke. And finally, we had the holographic AI assistant with Omar Isaac. Now, Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once, and you have until next Sunday at 7 p.m. to vote. This evening's pitch contestants receive a Passage to Profit t-shirt, once we get them printed, and the best <laughs> overall vote getter for the month will receive an Amazon gift card. James, thanks for uh, joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's fascinating. So, what did you think of the pitches? I thought they were all really strong. I mean, I think that they represent you know approaches to sort of different types of problems, right? From bike storage to uh, artificial intelligence, and that's one of the great things that at at Inc. Magazine and Inc.com is getting to see all different forms of creativity that uh, that go into the entrepreneurial experience. Experience. And so I think it a really good sample of it today. If I had to judge myself, uh, I, I think, you know, perfectly seems the, the sweet spot of solving an interesting problem with a lot of growth potential. Uh, I mean, I think Dahanger is also an interesting solution. Uh, and the AI thing is super cool. I think there's going to be a, a real market for it when they're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it still seems like it's a little early stage. A little yet. early. That's uh, okay. There's lots of bugs to work out, but once we get there, I mean, the we'll all be working limit. for Alfred one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the future, and I would like to say here, I was really impressed with the pitches. I think that they show human ingenuity at its best. It is just so cool to see all these creative people coming up with things, and I think what Ink does is helps them gather the courage or whatever it takes to go take that idea and put it in the marketplace. And that's really what we need people to do because I like to buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Jim said, I mean, to be an entrepreneur, you really have to take a leap of faith. And I think, um, you know, that's what our, our listeners are doing or that's what they're, they're thinking about. And uh, I think that somebody once said the things that you regret most in life are the things that you haven't tried. So if you have that entrepreneurial bug, I think – you owe it to yourself to give it a shot and see what happens. And you might find out that it's not for you, but you'll learn a lot. You'll learn about the business world and you'll learn about a whole different side of life. So I think it's really great to have James here with Inc. Magazine, who really speaks to this population of people who are entrepreneurs or thinking about entrepreneurs. Editor-in-Chief of Inc. Magazine, James Ledbetter. Uh, remember to catch him on the Inc. podcast, Inc. Uncensored downloadable at inc.com and on iTunes. Don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches. And you can start thinking about what your pitch is going to be if you're out there listening. So we're going to collect pitches for a month. So we'll have probably 12 of them. And we're going to run the contest and you can vote on them. And whichever one of those 12 gets the most votes gets a price. An Amazon gift card. So this is Richard Gerhardt 
and Elizabeth Gerhardt on iHeartRadio, 710 on your AM dial with Passage to Profit. Thanks to our producer, Noah Fleischman. He kept us on track and kept us talking into the mics the right way. And Kenya Gibson, the media maven who brought us into iHeartRadio in the first place, and the entire iHeartMedia team. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.